Welcome to Exploring the Catechism of the Council of Trent in a Year. I'm Mark Langley, and today is day 65 in our exploration of this wonderful text. Uh, we are going to continue with our study of the Sacrament of Confirmation. The subheading uh, that we will begin with, uh, where we left off before, is the component parts of confirmation, the matter. So we begin. We now come to treat of the component parts of the sacrament, and first, of its matter. This is called chrism, a word borrowed from the Greek language, and which, although used by profane writers to designate any sort of ointment, is appropriated by common usage among ecclesiastical writers to signify that ointment only, which is composed of oil and balsam, with the solemn consecration of the bishop. A mixture of two material things, therefore, furnishes the matter of confirmation, and this mixture of different things not only declares the manifold grace of the Holy Ghost given to those who are confirmed, but also sufficiently shows the excellence of the sacrament itself. That such is the matter of this sacrament the Holy Church and her councils have always taught, and the same doctrine has been handed down to us by St. Denis and by many other fathers of the gravest authority, particularly by Pope Fabian, who testifies that the apostles received the composition of chrism from our Lord and transmitted it to us. Uh, the subheading, The Appropriateness of Chrism. Nor indeed could any other matter than that of chrism seem more appropriate to declare the effects of this sacrament. Oil, by its nature, rich, unctuous, and fluid, expresses the fullness of grace, which through the Holy Ghost overflows and is poured into others from Christ the head, like the ointment that ran down upon the beard of Aaron to the skirt of his garment. That's a quote from Psalm 132, verse 2. For God anointed him with the oil of gladness above his fellows, and of his fullness we have all received. Balsam, the odor of which is most pleasant, can signify not save that the faithful, when made perfect by the grace of confirmation, diffuse around them such a sweet odor of all virtues that they may say with the apostle, We are unto God the good odor of Christ. Uh, that's 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15. Balsam has also the power of preserving from corruption whatever it is used to anoint. This property seems admirably suited to express the virtue of the sacrament, since it is quite evident that the souls of the faithful, prepared by the heavenly grace of confirmation, are easily protected from the contagion of sins. Uh, the next subheading is that uh, chrism to be consecrated by the bishop. The chrism is consecrated by the bishop with solemn ceremonies. For that our Savior gave this instruction at his last supper when he committed to his apostles the manner of making chrism, we learn from Fabian, a pontiff eminently distinguished by his sanctity and by the glory of martyrdom. The necessity of this consecration may, however, be shown from reason also. In most of the other sacraments, Christ so instituted their matter as to impart holiness also to it. For not only did he designate water as the element of baptism, saying, except a man be born again of water and the Holy Ghost, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. But he also, at his own baptism, imparted to it the power of sanctifying thereafter. 
Hence these words of St. Chrysostom. The water of baptism, had it not been sanctified by contact with the body of our Lord, could not purge away the sins of believers. As then our Lord did not consecrate this matter of confirmation by actually using and handling it, it is necessary that it be consecrated by holy and religious prayers, and this consecration can appertain to none save the bishop who has been appointed the ordinary minister of this sacrament. Um, let's continue now. The next setting is the form of confirmation. The other component part of confirmation, that is its form and the words used at the sacred unction, must also be explained. The faithful are to be admonished that in receiving this sacrament, they are in particular on hearing the words pronounced to excite their minds to piety, faith, and religion, that no obstacle may be placed to heavenly grace. The form of confirmation then is comprised in these words, I sign thee with the sign of the cross, and I confirm thee with the chrism of salvation in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. If we call upon reason regarding this truth, we may also easily prove the same thing. For the form of a sacrament should comprise all those things that explain the nature and substance of the sacrament itself. But in confirmation, these three things are chiefly to be noted. The divine power, which as a principal cause operates in the sacrament. The strength of mind and soul, which is imparted by the sacred unction to the faithful unto salvation. And finally, the sign impressed on him, who is to enter upon the warfare of Christ. Now of these, the first is sufficiently declared by the concluding words of the form, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. The second, by the words immediately preceding them, I confirm thee with the chrism of salvation. And the third, by the words which, with which the form opens, I sign thee with the sign of the cross. But were we even unable to prove by reason that this is the true and perfect form of the sacrament, the authority of the Catholic Church, under whose guidance we have always been thus taught, suffers us not to entertain the least doubt on the subject. Now let us turn to the Summa, where St. Thomas Aquinas talks about the matter of the Sacrament of Confirmation. And this is in uh, the third part of the Summa, uh, question 72, the second article. Uh, St. Thomas asks whether chrism is a fitting matter for the sacrament. And I thought that this uh, it would be good to read the entire article here uh, together with the objections, uh, because, just because of the light that they shed upon this uh, the wonderful matter of the sacrament. Uh, the first objection is, it seems that chrism is not a fitting matter for the sacrament, for this sacrament, as stated above, was instituted by Christ when he promised his disciples the Holy Ghost. Uh, we might remember that the sacrament of confirmation uh, was instituted by a promise. Um, so the objection continues, but he sent them the Holy Ghost without their being anointed with chrism. Moreover, the apostles themselves bestowed this sacrament without chrism by the mere imposition of hands. For it is written in Acts chapter 8, verse 17, that the apostles laid their hands upon those who were baptized, and they received the Holy Ghost. Therefore, chrism is not the matter of the sacrament, since the matter is essential to the sacrament. Uh, that's, a, that's a great objection, 
and uh, we look forward to seeing how St. Thomas answers that. Um, the second objection is further confirmation perfects in a way the sacrament of baptism as stated above, and so it ought to be conformed to, its perf to it as perfection to the thing perfected. But the matter in baptism is a simple element, namely water. Therefore, chrism, which is made of oil and balm, is not a fitting matter for the sacrament. And the third objection is, further, oil is used as the matter of the sacrament for the purpose of anointing. But any oil will do for anointing, for instance, oil made from nuts and from anything else. Therefore, not only olive oil should be used for the sacrament. There we see that uh, the objector um, uh, narrows his objection uh, and precisely to the idea, does it have to be olive oil only or can it be any kind of oil? And finally, the fourth objection. Further, it has been stated above that water is used as the matter of baptism because it is easily procured everywhere. But olive oil is not to be procured everywhere and much less is balm. Therefore, chrism, which is made of these, is not a fitting matter for the sacrament. Um, we might remember that one of the reasons why water is the matter of the sacrament of baptism is because of the necessity of baptism um, that Christ chose water, which is easily procured, um, is fitting to the fact that baptism is necessary for salvation. Uh, and so the objector here wonders why Christ would choose something like chrism as the sac as the matter for the sacrament of confirmation. Uh, chrism is not as easy to come by. So uh, St. Thomas continues, uh, on the contrary, St. Gregory says, let no priest dare to sign the baptized infants on the brow with a sacred chrism. Therefore, chrism is the matter of this sacrament. And he responds, I answer that chrism is the fitting matter of the sacrament. For as stated above, in the sacrament, the fullness of the Holy Ghost is given for the spiritual strength which belongs to the perfect age. Now when man comes to perfect age, he begins at once to have intercourse with others, whereas until then he lives an individual life, as it were, confined to himself. Now the grace of the Holy Ghost is signified by oil. Hence, Christ is said to be anointed with the oil of gladness. That's Psalm 44, verse 8. By reason of his being gifted with the fullness of the Holy Ghost. Consequently, oil is a suitable matter of the sacrament, and balm is mixed with the oil by reason of its fragrant odor, which spreads about. Hence the apostle says in 2 Corinthians, we are the good odor of Christ, etc. And though many other things be fragrant, yet preference is given to balm because it has a special odor of its own and because it confers incorruptibility. Hence it is written, my odor is as the purest balm. That's in uh, Ecclesiastic, Ecclesiasticus chapter 24, verse 21. So there we see St. Thomas argues that chrism is the fitting and suitable matter for the sacrament of confirmation. Um, the, the real argument is that chrism is the matter of confirmation because that's what Christ instituted. Uh, St. Thomas here just argues that it's a very suitable matter. Uh, now let's turn to the reply to the objections. How, why do we use chrism when the apostles themselves were not anointed with chrism? So St. Thomas 
replies, Christ, by the power which he exercises in the sacraments, bestowed on the apostles the reality of the sacrament, namely the fullness of the Holy Ghost, without the sacrament itself, because they had received the first fruits of the Spirit. That's in Romans chapter 8, verse 23. Nevertheless, something of, something of keeping with the matter of the sacrament was displayed to the apostles in a sensible manner when they received the Holy Ghost. For that the Holy Ghost came down upon them in a sensible manner under the form of fire refers to the same signification as oil, except insofar as fire has an active power, while oil has a passive power as being the matter and incentive of fire. And this was quite fitting, for it was through the apostles that the grace of the Holy Ghost was to flow forth to others. Again, the Holy Ghost came down on the apostles in the shape of a tongue, which refers to the same signification as balm, except insofar as the tongue communicates with others by speech, but balm by its odor, because to wit the apostles were filled with the Holy Ghost as teachers of the faith but the rest of the believers as doing that which gives edification to the faithful. He continues, In like manner, too, when the apostles imposed their hands, and when they preached the fullness of the Holy Ghost came down under visible signs on the faithful, just as at the beginning he came down on the apostles. Hence Peter says in Acts chapter 11, verse 15, When I had begun to speak, the Holy Ghost fell upon them as upon us also in the beginning. Consequently, there was no need for sacramental, sensible, sensible matter, where God sent sensible signs miraculously. However, the apostles commonly made use of chrism in bestowing the sacrament when such like visible signs were lacking. For Dionysius says, There is a certain perfecting operation which our guides, that is the apostles, call the sacrifice of chrism. So that's a really rich reply to the first objection that um, it is interesting to note that the apostles were confirmed with the reality of the sacrament, but not confirmed with the sacrament itself. As we have said before, um, it is essential for a sacrament that the matter and the form of the sacrament be present. And the objector was um, onto something here when he says that the apostles weren't confirmed with chrism, so therefore we can't say that they were confirmed with the sacrament. But nonetheless, it appears that they were confirmed by, with the reality of the confirmation and in a way which is more excellent than, um, than those who are confirmed with chrism. They were confirmed with tongues of fire. And so St. Thomas points out that the fire and the the fire is like the oil in the sense that it's the active component of, whereas the whereas the uh, oil is sort of the passive incentive of fire, and likewise the fact that it was tongues, tongues are for communicating, and uh, balm communicates by its odor, whereas the tongue communicates by speech. So there's something more excellent we have to say in the way that the apostles were confirmed in the way that the Holy Spirit came down upon the apostles. Um, the reply to the objection, the second objection, uh, baptism is bestowed that spiritual life may be received simply, wherefore simple matter is fitting to it. But this sacrament, 
is given that we may receive the fullness of the Holy Ghost, whose operations are manifold according to wisdom, chapter 7, verse 22. In her is the Holy Spirit, one manifold. And again in Corinthians chapter 12, there are diversities of graces but the same Spirit. Consequently, a compound matter is appropriate to this sacrament. So, uh, whereas water is very simple, uh, chrism is complex and that's appropriate for each sacrament. Uh, the reply to the third objection, these properties of oil by reason of which it symbolizes the Holy Ghost are to be found in olive oil rather than in any other oil. In fact, the olive tree itself through being an evergreen, signifies the refreshing and merciful operation of the Holy Ghost. Moreover, this oil is called oil is called oil properly and is very much in use wherever it is to be had, and whatever other liquid is so called derives its name from its likeness to this oil, nor are the latter commonly used unless it be to supply the want of olive oil. Therefore it is that this oil alone is used for this and certain other sacraments. Uh, that reply is somewhat like the reply St. Thomas gives when he's talking about the matter of baptism. And somebody might say, uh, can you use another kind of water other than the simple water? For example, water uh, compressed from roses, rose water, or some other something else that might be have the name of water. But St. Thomas says uh, that the everything else is every other every other kind of oil is called oil because of its likeness to olive oil just like any other kind of water is called water because of its likeness to the simple substance that we call water and so the church when it talks about um, oil and water and again we'll talk about this when we talk about the the bread for the eucharist when he talks about the fact that it has to be wheat bread, because that's the kind of that's the that's what we first call bread. So unlike um, uh, banana bread or uh, corn bread or something like that, uh, the church um, means the what the first signification of the word is is to be used for the matter. Finally. Uh, why should we have um, chrism, since chrism is a little more difficult to get? St. Thomas replies, Baptism is the sacrament of absolute necessity, and so its matter should be at hand everywhere. But it is enough that the matter of this sacrament, which is not of such great necessity, be easily sent to all parts of the world. So that's a pretty simple response. Um, I thought we should also just take a quick look at the reply to the third article, whether it is essential to the sacrament that the chrism, which is the, its matter, be previously consecrated by a bishop. Why must the chrism be consecrated by a bishop? Uh, St. Thomas says, I answer that the entire sanctification of the sacraments is derived from Christ as stated above, but it must be observed that Christ did use certain sacraments having a corporeal matter namely baptism and also the Eucharist. And consequently, from Christ's very act in using them, the matter of these sacraments received a certain aptitude to the perfection of the sacrament. Hence, Chrysostom says that the waters of baptism could never wash away the sins of believers had they not been sanctified by contact with our Lord's body. And again, our Lord himself, taking bread, blessed, and in like manner the chalice, 
That's in Matthew chapter 26 and Luke chapter 22. For this reason, there is no need for the matter of these sacraments to be blessed previously, since Christ's blessing is enough. And if any blessing be used, it belongs to the solemnity of the sacrament, not to its essence. But Christ did not make use of visible anointings so as not to slight the invisible unction whereby he was anointed above his fellows. And hence, both chrism and the holy oil and the oil of the sick are blessed before being put to sacramental use. So, uh, just like the catechism said, uh, Christ came into contact with the water and the bread and the matter of those sacraments, but he did, but he did not do so with chrism, and therefore the chrism, uh, it's essential that it be consecrated by a bishop. And so that's where we'll end our study of the Sacrament of Confirmation today. Uh, we will uh, continue next time with some more discussion concerning the form of the sacrament that we began today and also the, the minister of confirmation. Thank you very much for joining me in this day, this episode of Exploring the Catechism of the Council of Trent in a Year. I'm Mark Langley, and we'll see you next time.